1: and the demands of his time and his ministry. It says he often withdrew to lonely places where he prayed. This is the last, but certainly not least, piece of armor. Learn it well, practice it daily. Not only for your own sake, for one another. Someone called prayer the heavy artillery. James says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful.
0: Jesus did many great and mighty things during his ministry on earth, but it's in the quiet things he did that we learn how to be in a relationship with the Father. Jesus withdrew to the still places to take time to pray. In today's message with Pastor Danny, you'll be learning that prayer is a part of the armor of God. It is living and powerful and vitally important to every believer. How are you doing with this? Do you spend time in the quiet with the Lord? If not, take some time to be still before him today. Now here's Pastor Danny in the Book of Acts, Chapter 28, as he continues his message, Winning the Present Conflict Associated with the Kingdom of God. To every nation
1: Acts chapter 19, there were seven sons of a Jewish priest and they were going around casting out demons, at least attempting to. They tried to cast out demons out of this one fellow and the demons through the guy spoke to them because they said in attempting to cast the demons out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches and the demons answered through the man, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? And the man jumped on these seven guys and beat them so badly that they ran out naked and bleeding. Do not underestimate how powerful our adversary and his cohorts are. And understand this, you can't just throw the name of Jesus around and win a victory. He will have you for lunch. You better know Jesus because it's only the power of Jesus. David, before he went out to face Goliath, King Saul said, you're only a a youth. This man's been a warrior from his youth. You can't go out and face him. And so what did King Saul do? King Saul gives little David his own personal armor. David clangs around in it for a few minutes and goes back to Saul. He says, I can't go in these. How was David used to going? By faith. He had a physical sling, but more important was his spiritual armor. That's what this passage is all about. Ephesians 6, 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, what is done? Everything it's putting on the armor and continuing to put it on when the day of evil comes. Let me say just a quick word about that. Jesus said every day has enough evil of its own, but here this scripture says there's the day of evil. Did you know Satan knows you better than you know you? Think about that. He knows when you were conceived. He knows the family you were born in. He knows what kind of guy attracts you. He knows what kind of girl attracts you. He knows what you like. He knows what you don't like. And so he schemes. He plans. And while every day has enough evil of its own... You better understand, there's a day of evil for every one of us when Satan launches his attack. He's been watching, he's been scheming, he's been planning, and he's looking to take you down. And me down. And here's the worst part about it. He doesn't give up. He comes, you win the battle, he goes away. But guess what? He's coming back. In the temptation in the wilderness, Jesus, by Satan... Luke's the only one that tells us, but what a great thing to tell us. And here's what he says. Then Satan left him until an opportune time. You win one battle, he goes away, guess what? He's coming back. That didn't work, we'll try something else. Different tactic. Different maneuver. That's why these pieces of armor are vital. Everyone is vital. Seven pieces. The first. Verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Some people have suggested the belt of truth is the word of God. They haven't read the whole passage if they say the belt of truth is the word of God. The belt of truth is not the word of God. That's in verse 17. We'll get there in a minute. So what's the belt of truth? Very simply, the belt of truth is what you see. Is what you get. You're not one way here and another way somewhere else. It's the absence of falsehood. You know what falsehood is? Hypocrisy. Now, I'm not trying to be off color with this, but this is the first piece mentioned, and I think it's interesting because this piece, it's the belt of truth. It keeps your spiritual pants up. Because if you have hidden sin, It is only a matter of time before you will be exposed and you will be shamed. Your nakedness will be exposed. John says, If we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. Some of us are already devoured by Satan. Why? Because you're at church, but you understand the truth is there are things hidden in your life. You got it hidden, it's habitual sin, and you're devoured, you're defeated. And as many people are here, there's likely someone that this piece of armor is lacking in your life. You're a hypocrite. You're living in habitual sin. And it's only a matter of time before you will be exposed. Numbers 32, 23, you may be sure your sin will find you out. Samson for 20 years went on. Hidden sin in his life. But boy, when he hit the wall, he hit hard. Gehazi, servant of Elisha. Ananias and Sapphira, part of the new church in Jerusalem, the first church. Wonderful church, but they kept back part of money they had sold a piece of land for. They lied. God took their lives as a result, as an example to the church of how serious he is about sin, especially hidden sin, the belt of truth. Piece number two. Of this armor. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. Some say this is salvation. It's not salvation because that's also in verse 17. So the belt of truth is the lack of falsehood. It's no hypocrisy, no hidden sin. This one. Not salvation. So what is it? Righteousness. Peter tells us. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Righteousness is doing what's right according to the scriptures. Romans chapter six, don't offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. It's practical righteousness. Righteousness. You were living in sexual immorality. Now you know Christ. You've been saved. You no longer want to live in sexual sin. You want to be holy. You want to live a righteous life. You used to be a cheat. You cheated on your taxes. Now that you know the Lord, you don't want to cheat anymore. You used to be a liar. Now you don't want to lie anymore. You want to live a righteous life. Very important piece of armor. It's interesting, the breastplate of righteousness, what it covers. Pretty important organ. The heart. Proverbs 423 Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Because it's your heart condition that causes you to do what you do. Piece number three. I love this one. Verse 15 and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel. Of peace. I call this one, and rightly so, gospel shoes. Romans chapter 5 now, because we have faith in Christ, we have peace with God. What a great thing. There are no issues between man and God anymore. I'm not in fear of judgment, I'm not in fear of hell. I have peace with God. Why? Through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Now I have peace with God. I have on gospel shoes. And because I have peace with God, now, not only do I want to, but he's commanded me, go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news. What? That you can have peace with God. One of the letters to the Corinthians, Paul says, we're Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We want to tell people, be reconciled to God. How do you do that? Listen, you can be forgiven you can have peace with God if you'll just put your faith in Jesus Christ and receive him as Lord and Savior. I mean, what a great thing to be able to tell somebody. I don't know why everybody wouldn't want it. Maybe everybody wants it, just everybody not willing. Because you've got to repent. You've got to be willing to turn. Make Christ your Lord and Savior. Gospel shoes. I love the way Isaiah puts it. How beautiful are the... On the mountains are the feet, the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation. Why? Because they got gospel shoes on, man. They're going and they're going to tell you, you can be saved. You can be forgiven. Armor piece number four, verse 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, I have in some old notes, probably six or seven arrows, if I remember right, that I suggest Satan loves to shoot at us. But for the sake of this message, I'm going to give you the top two, at least in my opinion, these are the top two, that Satan loves to shoot at us. And the shield of faith will extinguish these arrows. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith, your faith may not fail. Suggesting a failure that goes on and on and on. We know Peter's faith failed initially. And what was the arrow that Satan used? It was fear. That's what caused Peter to deny three times that he even knew Jesus Christ. Fear. It's what caused all the disciples initially to flee Jesus at his greatest hour of need. It's what caused King Saul and all the Israelites as they're supposed to be fighting the Philistines. And nobody's fighting, especially in light of this giant coming out every day named Goliath. But this young kid named David shows up. And he dons the shield of faith. He does not give in to fear. He says to King Saul, I've gone out watching my father's sheep and a lion came and I faced the lion, a bear came, I faced the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be just like them because my God who delivered the bear and delivered the lion into my hands will deliver this uncircumcised giant. That's faith. Faith, not fear. God told Gideon, Gideon's got his army, thousands of men. God says, Gideon, tell them if anybody's afraid and doesn't want to go into battle, they can go home. Gideon goes out and says, God said, if anybody's afraid and doesn't want to go into battle, you can go home. 23,000 went home. Fear's a powerful thing. Then the second, I think, second of what I believe is the top two arrows is doubt. What happened in the Garden of Eden? Satan said to Eve, God say to you, don't eat of the trees. Well, he said, yeah, don't eat of this one. You know. Yeah, God knows the day you eat of that one, you'll be like God. That's a lie. But it's a lie, and the object is, the motivation is, God's holding back on you. God knows, hey, He's holding something good back from you. He knows if you eat of this, you're gonna be just like Him. It's a lie. God, Eve, doubting the goodness of God. That's what Satan was wanting to do with Job. As God allowed him to breach the protective hedge and get at Job and all the suffering and all the loss in his life. And no prayer would work. No prayer would bring back those things, at least initially. And he was in that period where you just go, what in the world is going on? Satan would love him to do what his wife suggested. Just curse God and die. God's forgotten you. God doesn't love you. How could a good God allow you to go through what you're going through? It's a lie. And it's a flaming arrow of the enemy. And don't you believe it? God has always been good and he always will be good. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Ken Connolly, friend of Pastor Vivian Laird, who went home to be with the Lord not too long ago. And his friend, Ken Connolly, Scottish fellow, Viv and Irish fellow. And they were good buddies. I loved getting together with them. And they had some of the best clean jokes you ever hear in your life. And Ken Connolly got this definition of faith and he must have got it from thinking and meditating on the truths of scripture and God gave it to him and I think it's excellent here it goes like this faith is a life that dares to commit beyond its means expecting what sense cannot certify based on God's promise dependent on God's supply motivated for God's glory and confident in God's integrity he's a good God Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Don't you believe the lie of the enemy, no matter what you're facing in life. Extinguish that flaming arrow by renewed faith in a good God who can do no wrong. And then, number five, verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, verse 5, keep your head in all situations. And the helmet of salvation's helmet of salvation helps us to do that. And here's a couple of practical things that the helmet of salvation helps us do. It helps me to face death without fear. I um, last year was called my family that I've known for years in the church, and, and their father is dying. He was in Bay Pines Hospital. And he died in in the hospital there. And he was a Christian. I'd known him for some time. But uh, Satan had been throwing all kind of thoughts his way and doubts. And he was concerned about dying. He was concerned about what happens when he dies. And so I went over and I had a personal Bible study with Gene Mills. And when I walked into the room and first started talking to him, the concern on his face was just obvious. And he was just heavy, heavy hearted. And I went through several scriptures with him. And after we were done, the Lord totally changed his countenance. I mean, but from the time I walked into the hospital room to the time I walked out, he was a different looking man and he was confident and he died without fear. And that's the way God wants us to die. That's the way he wants us to face death without fear. That's the helmet of salvation. I'm saved. Death is just a passageway. I'm going where it's much better. Praise the Lord. There's no fear. And the second, the helmet of salvation. Keeps my head in the clouds. Set your minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's where your life is. That's where your life is. This world is not my home. And I really can't wait to leave it. After the game, of course. I mean, come on. Everybody wants to see the game, right? But if you left before the game, you wouldn't care. Especially if your team's going to lose. Right? Your team loses. You say, Lord, I wish you'd taken me before this game. How many Broncos fans? God bless you. Pray for you. We'll pray for the losing side. And uh, I love Peyton, but I'm a Carolina boy. Got to go watch all the commercials and everything and all the talk. I mean, I've been talking about the thing for a week. How much more can you say? Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So the sword of the spirit is the word of God. But here's where Greek helps us out a little bit. And I'm not a Greek scholar, but thank God for Bible programs that tell us what the Greek is. Because you know what the Greek word for word here in Ephesians 6 is? Same one as Ephesians 5 when it tells husbands to love their wives and wash them with water through the word. It's the same word in Ephesians 6 as there in Ephesians 5 for husbands and their wives. One Greek translated word is the Greek word logos. Logos means Genesis to Revelation. This is the logos. This is the entire logos all the word of God, but that's not the word used in Ephesians five for husbands and their wives or the piece of armor here in Ephesians chapter six. The word is Ramah. Very different. You know what Ramah is? That's a word that's personal to me. That when I read the word, when I study the word, it's not academic. It's not talking about the word in terms of logos. You're studying a test and you're going to get graded by how much you know academically. No, no, no. This is a personal word. That when I'm tempted in the lust of my flesh, I need a personal word. You know when I get often? You know when I get when I'm tempted in the lust of my flesh? I get Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. It pops into my mind when I'm tempted. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure because God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. And that helps me to say no to the temptation. When I'm tempted in pride, a personal word, this one's very fresh for me. I just got it from the Lord Isaiah 28, verse 1. Woe to the crown of pride whose glorious beauty is a fading flower. I want the kind of glory that's going to last forever. That's God's glory. When I'm tempted with the lust of my eyes, a personal word that often comes is man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. What'll it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? It's a rhema word. Not academic. It's personal. And then one last piece of armor. Verse eighteen, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Got up early one morning, rushed into the day. I had so much to accomplish, I didn't have time to pray. Troubles tumbled about me; heavier came each task. Boy, God, why don't you help me? He said, "My child, you didn't ask." <laughs> Tried to come into God's presence, used all the keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chided, "Well, child, you didn't knock." Wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on gray and bleak. I called on the Lord for the reason. He said, child, you didn't seek. I woke up early this morning, paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish. I had to take time to pray. Jesus and the demands of his time and his ministry. It says he often withdrew to lonely places where he prayed. This is the last But certainly not least, piece of armor. Learn it well. Practice it daily. Not only for your own sake, for one another. Someone called prayer the heavy artillery. James says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That's why I remind you again as I close this message. Pray for me. Pray for us in Cuba because we'll be praying for you seven pieces of armor, the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, gospel shoes, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, and prayer.
0: From the Apostle Paul's conversion until his death, it was his first priority to teach and tell people about the kingdom of God. Is this on your radar as you go about your daily life? Pastor Danny has been teaching through a series called The Kingdom of God. Now, this may seem removed from the here and now, but Pastor Danny wants you to understand how thinking about God's kingdom can affect your life right now. It also gives you a lot to look forward to in the life to come if you're a follower of Christ. Keep tuning in to this series about God's kingdom and we hope you'll learn some great things that are revealed in God's Word. Would you be willing to pray for us here at The Living Word? As our ministry grows, we want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first and foremost. We're always in need of His guidance. So please pray that we'd recognize His voice and direction. Thanks so much for praying. Do you live in or near St. Petersburg? If so, we have a special invitation for you. Pastor Danny and all of us here at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. Find out more and get directions at ccfstpete.church. Or you can join us online if you can't make it in person. Again, that website is ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us again to hear more messages from this series right here on The Living Word.